0: Friends, our scripture reading this morning comes to us from John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, verses 15, 16, and 17. This is a post-Easter appearance when Jesus comes to the disciples. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Am I the only person that really hates to make mistakes that? causes harm to other people? Am I the only one? Oh, good. Okay. I was hoping, but... You know, we make choices. We make choices, and even with the best intentions, sometimes we miss the mark. Sometimes we miss the mark, and even though we don't intend to cause harm... Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do cause that harm. Other times, and maybe this is true for you as well, it's not the actions, the choices that we make, it's more our inaction. And I mean, we're not trying to be you know, lazy or not trying to jam somebody up by not doing something. For reasons that sometimes we can't always explain, our inaction ends up Causing harm in our relationships, sometimes even in relationships with people that that we love and care for deeply. Maybe, I've got a third option for you. Maybe we, you know, we we look at life's life and we make choices because we, we have a certain set of priorities, things in our life that we want to do, that we want to accomplish. In you know, we we have milestones that we want to meet to get where we feel like we need to go. And sometimes in the process of, of, of making these priorities, we end up inadvertently causing harm to other people. I mean, we don't intend to. I mean, it's I, I'm gonna say looking around, I can I can pretty safely say that I don't think any of you who are here, and probably even you who are watching online ever really do something to intend to cause harm to another another person. I mean, generally speaking, as people of faith, that's not how we're wired. But you know what? No matter our intentions, it, it happens. And whether it's by choice, by inaction, or by priorities, we end up in the same place. We end up in this place and in this moment and people get hurt. We end up in this place and, and in this moment, and maybe we were the ones who got hurt by somebody else's actions or inactions or priority. The bad news is that's inevitable. The best intentions, there's an there's a aphorism, the road to, well, okay, there, there, there's a certain destination that is paved with good, good intentions. Let's just put it that way. And that's that's part of the human condition. But Paul, Paul talks about it. The Apostle Paul also talks about this, where he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's not about perfection. I mean, the, the standard is never make another mistake because, after all, God knows us. <laughs> We're human. God knows who we are and knows the inevitability of our, of our, of our failings. Sometimes the, our, uh, our inability to get out of our own way. But the glory of God is more about the representation of God, the re-presentation of God, the embodiment of God, the embodiment, more specifically, of God's love and grace. Even in our imperfect ways, we can still embody the grace of God to other people. And the question of people of faith for centuries is how do we accomplish that? How do we find that balance? How do we thread that needle? How do we make our way into that even when we trip our, our own feet even when we can't get out of our own way there's good news and this passage that i read from john's gospel is one of the cornerstone passages in scripture that helps us move forward to help us reset Our life, the the, the spiritual word, the scriptural word is repentance, about turning our attention, our life, our choices, our actions back toward God, back toward our ability to reflect that grace that God has shown us to other people. The disciples have gone back at at the direction that they got from the women who saw were the first to see the resurrected Christ, to go back to where it started, to go back to Galilee. They go back to fishing. Peter, James, John, and Peter's brother, Andrew, they were fishermen. They first encountered Jesus' call by the Sea of Galilee. They were doing their thing. They were making their living. They were fishing. And they encounter Jesus again. They get, it's, it's, it's like hitting, I don't even think it's a hard reset. I think it's more like a soft reset they get to go back to the beginning with Jesus and get a reset now remember peter's story good old brash peter peter has denied Jesus 3 times as Jesus is being tried and tortured and eventually crucified and they said hey weren't you with him no no wasn't me Second time, oh no, 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 it wasn't me. Third time, he is so, he, he becomes so insistent. He he makes this what amounts to an oath. No, it wasn't me. I mean, and he did that for self-preservation, which I get that. But even his denials, even his effort to protect himself or his his brother or his comrades or his family. That didn't separate him from Jesus. Jesus comes back into his life in the same way in the same place. And he gives and he gives Peter a road, a door to walk through to find his way back. And it's not accusatory and it's not browbeating him and it's not like punishing him first because I think that Peter probably felt guilty enough to start with. He asks Peter a simple question that is, that's it's, it's more than just at, after three years of following Jesus, it's more than just fidelity to a personal relationship. He says, do you love me? And not in that emotional, sentimental way, but he's asking Peter, Do you love me in the way that I have loved you? Oh, yeah. He says, Feed my sheep. And he asks him a second time Do you love me like I have loved you? Oh, yeah. Surely I do Then tend my sheep. And then the third time, and there's a, in, in the, there's a certain symmetry. Peter has denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus is giving him the ability to walk back each denial. And when Jesus asks him a third time, do you love me in the way that I have loved you? He's not quite, he's not quite yet to a place of full understanding because John records that that he was a little bit hurt, a little bit put out. Why do you keep asking me the same questions? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. See, this, 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 and this is the only place in Scripture that this story is captured It is an opportunity for Peter to step through a door onto a new path that would would dominate the rest of his life. And in that moment, he didn't have it yet all figured out because the book of Acts records that, that Peter still has a lot to learn. But that does not prevent Jesus from coming in and saying, okay. Next step, not looking back, not browbeating him for what has been, not you know, putting his feet to the fire, but to say, we're moving forward. And I wanna encourage you to move forward into this new life, taking the next steps of faith. It's a restart. And when, when we deal with our own humanity, we need those restarts, we need those resets in our life we need those not to deny what has happened but in full recognition of the ways that we have not that we have not fully embodied the grace that Jesus has shown to us we need that moment to pause and breathe and to reset our sights on what comes next and this is what Jesus is doing for peter But this is just an image. It's not not unique to Peter because this same invitation is given to the rest of us. It resets us in our life and in our faith. It reminds us the relationship between our faith and our calling. To love God, to love Jesus equals loving our neighbor as ourselves. And loving our neighbor as ourselves is equal to loving God, to loving God. Christ that equation works both ways we cannot do if we're going to live on this path where we embody and live into the fullness of God's grace we need to find a way to balance those equations to be able to do both because doing one is 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 doing the other and doing the other is doing the one and this, this image of the of the restart, of the invitation to re-enter again into this new life, is the good news. The good news that we celebrate in the gospel is not just, "Hey, hey, we believe in Jesus and our ticket to heaven is punched." Woo-hoo. It is that. But it can't be and never was intended to be the be all and the end all. Because the life that Jesus shares with his disciples for three years prior to Good Friday and prior to Easter is about helping us understand what it means to embody this grace to all of our neighbors, to all of our neighbors. That is the good news, that this gift that resets us, that reorients us, that, 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 that opens a new door to faithfulness is for us. And again, it's not about just recriminating about what has, what has been in the past. It's liberation. I mean, I have had this experience, and I expect that probably you have too, that there are times in our life that we feel shackled to the mistakes that we've made. We feel shackled and, and burdened by the ways that we have not lived up to our own best expectations or the ways that we have hurt those that maybe we have loved the most, and it weighs us down. And the good news that we see in this passage in the gospel is meant to break those chains, to loose those bonds, to liberate us for something new a new gift, a new expression, a new embodiment of God's grace. And that liberating good news is something that we share with great joy. With great joy. It's not, I I don't know if I've shared this with you I, got a, I had a relic that I would carry around with me from appointment to appointment of uh, somebody in the church that I served in seminary gave me a statue, a little statue about this tall, just kind of a white alabaster, this kind of dour-faced old man standing there looking like this. And at the bottom it says, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. <laughs> I loved that. That was so incredibly ironic. No, 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 not joy. But joy, because it's something, it is, it's a gift that reweaves our life. It resets our, the way that we see ourselves. It resets the way that we see the world. It is a fresh start. It is good news that we share with great joy and we share it with all people because I guarantee you that you know people in your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in town, wherever, that are looking for exactly what y'all have found here. There's a reason that you come here. There's a reason that you are a part of this family of faith. There's a reason that that you want to be a part of sharing good news with great joy for all people. And they're looking for the same thing people that have been burdened by the same things, that have been shackled by the same things, people that, that, because of who they are, have been pushed aside in the community for not very good reasons, actually for pretty horrible reasons. And you know this. And they are looking for, they are yearning for, and many of them are praying for exactly what you have found Here, good news with great joy for all people, a gift of grace that focuses us on reweaving the fabric of our community. Not just patching it, but reweaving it into something that is beautiful and gorgeous and diverse and life-giving. That's what today is about. Today is about an opportunity for us to step forward as we look forward into a new year of of life, of life together, of ministry, and make commitments and investments in how we will live this vision this vision that is and has been the north star of this congregation that helps us find our way and make choices in difficult times. It is a vision that is transformational. It is, it, it is while, while I have not used the words good news, great joy, all people, except for the last six months, it's been a part of my lifeblood of faith for many, 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 many years. I just have a new way to understand it. And it has been liberating for me, and it has brought energy and passion to what I do, in case you hadn't figured that part out yet. And this vision that we commit our lives to does matter. And we... We are, I am, I'll make it as an I statement, I am committed to walking with all of you in seeing how the unfolding of this gift and this grace works through us, in us, but also through us into the community to see the changes that come, not only in in what we do in our life together, but how that spills out into the community and beyond into the world. This is is the day. It's just, it is one day, it is a day, but it's an important day for us to step back and allow the gift of grace that Christ has given us to kind of reset us and remind us of who we are who we are in the gift of God's life-giving, self-giving love, and then who we can be for the world around us. Friends, I'm gonna invite you, as the living as disciples question comes up, to take a few extra moments to reflect upon where you are where christ is calling you to be and how you will respond not just in pledge cards and financial gifts but through our prayers our presence our gifts our witness and our service that we might embody this gift to a hungry and hurting world